Greetings, this is Leon Armstrong, the founding pastor of World Overcomers Ministries Church in the city of Madison, Mississippi. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Living Truth Broadcast. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us on the web at woministries.org. If you are visiting in the Jackson, Madison, Mississippi area, you are welcome always to be our guest. You can locate us at 444 Pebble Creek Drive, Madison, Mississippi. It is our prayer that you are richly blessed by the Word of God. Please receive now our word for today. We're going to open and ask you to turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 1. We're going to be talking about uh, Jesus called upon his people to be made fishers of, of men. Mark chapter 1, we're going to start there. And uh, this is concerning what Jesus said in the beginning of his ministry. And we're going to talk about some things concerning the, uh, the beginning of his ministry and what it all means. And one of the things that stands out is the ideal of, of, of him calling fishermen to himself. And I'm just going to skip around here. Uh, we, we can read in chapter 1, verse 1, and, and then we're going to just leap to the core of the message. And we're going to go to some other places and read. But in chapter 1 of Mark, verse 1, it says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God. And it talks, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of the ministry, of his ministry. And he goes through several things uh, in, uh, as, as to qualify him or to mark him in the beginning. Uh, of his ministry, uh, and he goes on to be uh, baptized, and we know that John sees him and even uh, calls him the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He later on is led into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days, and out of coming out of that temptation, uh, he then comes preaching on the shores of Galilee, and we'll pick up there and just skip down to verse 14 out of that same chapter it says now after that john was put in prison jesus came into galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of god is at hand repent ye and believe the gospel verse 16 and he goes on it says and now he walked by the sea of galilee he saw simon and andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishers and Jesus said unto them, Come you after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when they had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. I'm going to stop there uh, for now. We're going to go to some other places. But here we have, uh, you know, an, an observation that Jesus begins his ministry here. And he's calling for an invitation to join him and to be fishers uh, of men. And it's always something that we need to take note of that with Jesus he, does, he doesn't just come to do for us. In other words, Jesus 
plan, his purpose is not just to save us and give us a nice blessing and say, have a nice life, go your own way. But Jesus always has a purpose is built in to the fact or the reason why he saves us so that we can become something that we are not specifically come become what he is. So this is not just save you and rescue you from hell, but this is to save you, then transform you to become something that he is. And in this account, Jesus marks the beginning of his ministry. He could have gone to, you know, in my studies, he could have gone to other, there were other professions around in uh, the area. It's a big enough town or city, and there are many cities nearby. Uh, but he, he, he goes and he goes to the coast, to the shore, to Galilee, and he begins recruiting disciples for his ministry team. Uh, but I thought, why didn't he go to the synagogue? After all, this is a mission for God. Why didn't he go to the church or to the synagogue and recruit priests there and say, I will make you ministers unto the souls of men? Seemed like that would have been the logical thing to do. It seems also logical that since Jesus was doing so much healing that he could have gone to the medical community and, and said, follow me. I recruit from the medical team, follow me, and I'll make you uh, physicians of men. Uh, he also made reference in his journeys to sowing and reaping and seeds. And he could have gone to the farming community because, after all, many of them were an agricultural people as well. And he could have said, follow me, you know, and I'll make you reapers of men. He could have gone in several things to the officials, to government officials, and in, in the fact that he himself was referred to as a king. And he could have recruited from the government and said, I'm a king and I'll make you rulers of men. There's several directions that Jesus could have gone but Jesus begins his ministry by recruiting and going to fishermen, to fishermen. And in going to fishermen, he calls for them to follow him, come after me. And he says this, I will make you fishers of men. That's something we don't think of becoming. We don't think about that. Jesus was a king, he was a priest, he's a prophet. We have all of these glorious things, but rarely do we view Jesus as a fisher of men, even though scripture says it, and rarely do we make it a goal or a, a, a sort of what a, an objective that we are being made fishers of men. And I, I love the fact that Jesus, what this says about him is that he is, to me, the quintessential fisherman, which means he is a fisherman pure at heart. He loves the sea. He loves fishing. In fact, in fact, the first dominion, if you go back to Genesis 1 and 26, when it says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and the first rule of dominion or the first dispensation of dimension, he says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And so the sea has to do with large conglomerates of people. It has to do with cities or countries, whenever there's, or nations, large bodies of people. That's the sea. It's not just talking about the literal sea uh, with literal fish. Even though that's being used symbolically, 
what is being spoken of spiritually is that there is the fish on dry land called man and the nations that men live in that's the sea and the men that live in those nations that's the fish and so Jesus who is a fisherman at heart has a goal has a purpose to capture the nations to capture people of all colors of all uh, nationalities of all tongues Jesus is one who will capture and wants to recruit and wants to save all men he's not trying to save white men or black men or rich men or poor men he is not divided in his outcome he is looking at the whole nations of all nations of all people of all kinds and cultures the lord's kingdom shall make up all of these people and and we need to start understanding that here in the earth because if we're part of the community of heaven because we're part of the church that makes us part of the community of heaven it makes us part of the community of the kingdom of god and we ought to start looking at the whole globe worldwide all people all nationalities as people people that God loves as people who God wants to bring in as people who God wants to infuse himself and make them like him to get them ready for the best that is about to come to this earth and so we, we, we we're called to be fishers of men and I want to share with you there are two fishing trips that Jesus made that were major in his ministry two fishing trips one at the beginning of his ministry and one at the end of his ministry and they're very significant because they are prophetic as well as symbolic so these things just didn't happen by accident they had some meaning it was pointing to something it was telling us what's going to happen and so let's just go to uh, Luke because this is Luke is is really a synoptic view of what we just read in Mark 1. So we're going to go to a couple other places here in Luke 5. And then we're going to go to John 21. Are y'all with me today? Luke 5. Luke 5. And let's do some. We got to do a little reading here. A little reading. So, so bear with me. I'm going to take my time. And it says here in, in Luke 5 verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God and stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for drought. Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, at thy what? At thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fish, says fishes, and their net what happened to their net? It broke. The net breaks. It broke. It fell to pieces. It was rent, torn. It could not hold the multitude of fish. It could not hold the catch. All right. So that's the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Because in that same setting, when he said, I will make you fishers of men, he said that after this happened. For he 
came unto them. They were toiled all night. They were tired. It was the end of their, all of their endeavors. He comes on the shore of Galilee. He starts preaching the kingdom of God. He gets on the ship, pushes out a little bit, teaches. And then after he tells them to throw the net on the, on the side of the ship and they bring in this multitude of fish. And then he tells them, now, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. So in other words, he's telling them, he says, if you follow me, just like I, being present here with you, caused you to catch this multitude of fish, follow me and we'll catch a multitude of men. We'll catch the nations. That's what Jesus is saying. But the nets broke, and we're going to see why. Let's go to John chapter 21 and add this. Let's just add this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll break it all down to you. John 21. This is at the end of the fishing of Jesus' ministry. Three, three years, over three years later, he has another fishing trip. And you see a different result here on this fishing trip, okay? So John 21. And let's just find a little spot to start here. So we know in this, Jesus was waiting on the shore while they were out fishing. They were frustrated. And he tells them, children, have you have any meat? And he tells them to throw this thing on the, the net on the right side. Uh, let me just pick up from uh, <clears throat> verse 8. And it says, and the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. And, excuse me, as soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring up the fish which you have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty-three. And for all there was so many, yet, yet was what happened? Yet was not the net broken. So we saw at the beginning of Jesus' ministry where he went out fishing with his disciples and the nets broke. We see here at the end, after his resurrection, before he goes back to the Father, goes fishing again. And he's, this time, the nets did not break. And that essentially tells us what's going to happen when he starts the church, from the beginning of the church age to the end of the church age where we're now living. So the church started 2,000 years ago. Guess what? The nets broke. The nets broke. Because as soon as Jesus, his apostles, had gone and passed it on to the successors, and not long after that, the church went off course. And the church went off course because so much division occurred into the church. The church started branching off in different teachings. It wasn't much longer after that to where they started branching off into denominations. Denominations is not something that God put in the church. That's something that man put in the church. You all should know that by now. And every sense, whenever there's a denomination, and then that branches off of that denomination, then that branches off of that. And the church has, the nets have been breaking every since that time. Because the church was designed to be a net to capture the net, the nations of people of the world. But because of the church being broken, the nets being broken, which says there is no unity. 
which says that men naturally are divided, that men love to go their own way, that someone wants to rise up with their own self-ambition and their own pride, and the nets break. So men typically, when they disassociate themselves from the hand of God and the direction of God, the nets will break. Men will break things when they don't ask for God's help. If you put something good, no matter how good it is, no matter how wonderful it is, how glorious it is, if God puts it in a man's hand, and if that man does not submit himself to the God who gave it to him, that man ultimately is going to break it. Amen. And we ought to know that even in our lives, the things that we have been entrusted with, how many times have you been blessed with something but you ruined that blessing because that blessing may have puffed you up and you got away from God. You got away from thanking him. You got away from recognizing this came from him and I can't handle this without him. I'm going to handle this on my own and we get puffed up in our pride and we start handling things as if we are the one who blesses ourselves and it becomes crippled. It becomes cantankerous it becomes broken man breaks things without God I mean we, we hear it in our language you can have a man and a woman who's dating and when it doesn't work they say we broke up and by the way if a marriage doesn't work it's called divorce but it's still a broken marriage and when our money runs out isn't it funny that we say we're broke? How many broke people here today? Don't raise your hand. But without God, we break. I mean, that's the message. We break. And we break our common union. We break. We, people break and they, because of pride. Because we, we talked about this Friday night at the end of the movie because that was the big issue that the Lord is wrestling with us and trying to get us to walk with him, to follow after him, to go with him. And, and, and the issue of pride continues to jump up and will not let man walk humbly with the Lord in obedience to do his will. That there is pride that makes us go our own way, do our own thing. We got our own ambition. We got our plans in mind. And when we do that, and that's exactly what man has been doing throughout the church age. So many churches, so many denominations, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, has infused their own thinking and methods to call it church. But it really is man's ambition and it causes division, causes breaking. When there is division among us, we are not connected one to another it's a broken net when we cannot be on the same page to do the will of God because God is one and we have our own agendas. It is broken. But Jesus tells us that at the end of this age, which we are now living, this time the nets will not break. That means God is raising people to stop doing their own thing. That means God is getting people's attention and people are responding and they're willing to put down their plans to follow God. And God is going to start getting people in pulpits 
to stop standing on their own plans and start listening to the spirit so that the nets in this generation will not break. The greatest blessings of heaven are about to show up on the earth because if people are coming together in God's will to do his will, to live his word, then God will put on the greatest power and the greatest display of miracles that we have ever seen before. But the thing that has prevented that is the fact that we have been so disassociated, that disconnected, that we have wanted to do our thing and what we have in mind. And it can become cynicism. It can be prideful. It's self-ambitious. And that does not fit into the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Because the kingdom of God will be one. It will be one voice. You know, Paul taught a lot on unity. Some things that Paul, because Paul, I studied him and he wept over the very church he started. One of his own churches, Ephesus, he wept over that church. He laid the foundation. He got them on course. He laid down the truth for them and spent years for them to get that church where it needed to be. And at his departure, he prayed with them and he cried because he foresaw something. He saw that there would be ravenous wolves coming into the flock coming into the church to create division between the people. And he said, even in addition to that, that there will be people within the church congregation who would rise up, self-ambition, pride, will rise up and start to create followers after their own selves. And so people want to say, this is the way I would do it. And then let me see how many people will listen to the way I do it. Come on, follow me. And this man says, this is the way we want to do it. And so we create followers that says, follow me. And so every man wants somebody and some group of people to follow them. But in the name of Jesus, we're not supposed to follow any man. We're supposed to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say that loud and clear. Our, our, listen, the call from heaven is still follow me. Come after me, Jesus says. And he says, take up the cross, which means to deny yourself. Any man that comes after me and willing to lose his life shall find it. And we cannot find the life that we're supposed to have until we're willing to let go of the life that has made us prideful and made us self-ambitious. We have to let it all go in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? There are some other places that Paul talked about a great deal of unity. Let's go to Ephesians, if you will. Ephesians chapter 4. He taught on unity because he understood that unity is the net. That when we are net, when we are linked together, it's a net. When we are connected, it's a net. You cannot have a net if there's no unity. And unity, let me add, does not mean sameness in the sense that we would define it. The church does not know unity the way the Lord defines it. Man thinks unity is that we all, we all got to wear the same thing and agree with one another. No, we don't have to be the same. We don't have to be from the same neighborhood. We don't have to look the same. We don't have to worship the same. We don't have to say hallelujah the same. We don't have to dress the same. That is not unity. In fact, God made us all different. Gave us different giftings, different callings, different assignments. God made you uniquely for you to be you and not someone else. 
But the key to unity is I can be me and you can be you. And we don't have to agree with one another, but we do concede that the only one right in this equation is God. It's not important that I'm right. It's not important that you're right. It's important for us to know that God is right. And because God is right, we all in our differences serve and answer the call of God who is the one. Amen. I know this is good because it's speaking to me. All right. Because we, we need this. This is something that God, I'm telling you, there's a deliverance that has to happen in this church. There's a veil that's been rent. We have to go in. But going in is going to cause some transformation to change because the greatest thing that this earth is about to see is about to happen. And he's going to do it through a people who are faithful to go through the change that he is calling for. Ephesians 4. Are you there? Give me a second. I'm not there. Ephesians 4 and verse 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of, of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness. See, that's the opposite of pride. Lowliness and meekness with long suffering, forbearing who? One another. Be patient with one another, all right? Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. Let's add verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Till we all come into the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's, that's totally matured. Spiritual maturity. Spiritually grown. Because most of the church is still babes. You know I can tell you that? Because the proof of immaturity is division. The church is still divided because they're still children. But he says at least start off by being lowly. And he tells us to endeavor. Make an effort to keep the unity of the spirit. The unity of the spirit simply means we agree that God is one. That God is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's just, we all were born by the same God. Is that not true? The, the, was it one cross that paid for all of our sins? See, if we can, if we can just stop there and say, this is true for all of us, regardless of our differences, we can endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. Because we may not understand each other, we may not know each other, we may not be connected like we're going to be connected to each other. But, until then, we can endeavor to see that God is over all of us. Keep the unity of the spirit. That's something that Paul taught. Until what? We saw in verse 13, until the unity of the faith, until we come to the unity of the faith, because while people are in their immature forms, somebody may have a faith that says, 
Well, you know, we, we're Baptists. This is our faith. We're Methodists. This is our faith. We believe in Luther. This is our faith. We believe in John Wesley. This is our faith. And different doctrines can dis makes different faith. And doctrine, by the way, always divides. Doctrine is key, but doctrine will end up dividing if you're not careful. Because there's not many faiths. There's only one faith. And we have to come to the unity of the faith by following Jesus Christ. That's something you grow into. So Paul talked about unity, being together, having that mutuality of one. He says in other places, he says, there is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. In Corinthians, he says, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. For you, oh, he says, but now they are they many members, yet one body. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He does, he does a lot of teaching on unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to go through all of that. He, he has a, that whole thing is talking about the, from 12 on down, the, the, the body being having many members. But let's just fast forward through some of this and just get to this part right here in verse 25 that says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. All right. That the members should have the same care one for another. Do you all see that? That there be no what in the body? Schism. You know what a schism is? It's division. No division. All right. That we should have the same care one for another. Which means you got to step out of yourself. All right. You can't be a a, an individual walking, thinking, looking for what's for you. Let them do them, I'll do me. And stand off as we can't be that way, not coming into this gen not this generation. I mean, everything about this generation, if you notice how fast things are moving and information is coming and how this world is speeding up and how it calls for your attention and just pulling you to be busy and busy. You know, that's all by design to get you so that you have to serve yourself. And if we can ever stop for a moment and hear the heartbeat of the spirit that says, care for one another, love one another, those that will move successfully into the next realm of God will be people who are not single of mind toward themselves, but people who are connected one to another. Care for one another. Conversate. We said earlier that in Malachi he says, they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another. They spoke often one to another. They didn't speak just on Sundays. They spoke often one to another. God heard it, wrote it in the book of remembrance because it was concerning his name. 
See, we ought to have conversations with each other that are provoking one another to the day that we're living in because it's coming soon. We ought to be reminding each other. We ought to be hearing the same truth, reminding of each other of what God is about to do. You shouldn't wait to hear me say what God is about to do. If you've heard it, then you ought to talk with one another about the things that are happening in this day and hour and what we're getting ready for. You should be talking one to another about these things, provoking each other to be ready because all these things are going to be pulling at us, stressing us and getting us off course. We ought to be reminding each other. That's what teamwork does. That's what unity does. All right. We have to pull aside to, to, to talk to each other, to be reminding each other, to, it, to provoke one another. All right. This is what this is what unity this all comes out of out of unity. OK. And so he says that there be no more divisions or, or schisms in the body. Go with me, if, if you will, uh, to Second uh, Timothy. Go to Second Timothy. Let's pull something out of that and then we're going to bring it on home. I hope I'm giving you something to reflect on and think about. Because the, this, you know, unity is not the message of the hour, but it is one of the most important messages of this hour. It is one of the most important that God is calling his church into unity. He's calling his people to connect together. I, I, he said it to me a couple of years ago, and he keeps confirming it. And so here in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, Are you there? Look at what it says here. In verse 13, it says, Hold fast, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. He gives this advice to Timothy and he says, this is one of the things that contribute to unity. He says, hold fast to sound, the form of sound words, to the form. Everybody say the form of sound words. So in other words, the truth, the, the, the truth that comes out of Christ that you have been taught, that you've heard. Talk about that. Hold fast to those words. And he says, to the form of sound words. To the form of sound words. The form means having to do with to echo. It's, it's the same thing as echo. Echo the same thing. The same words. The same truth that you heard, that you were taught. Echo that. Say the same thing. Be willing to talk about the truth that you know in Christ Jesus. We've been talking about the judgment seat of Christ on Thursday. We bring out some wonderful truths that everyone in here needs to know. But you need to hear that and then echo that. First to yourself and then to others. All right? Have that same form of sound, sound words. Because it's Jesus that commands us. He is the word. He is the word. And he wants us to eat the word. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you cannot have this life in you. In other words, the life that Jesus had in him is echoed through you and in you. It lives in you if you participate in his word. He is reduplicating himself. That's why he says, come after me. Follow me and I'll make you like me. I'll make you fishers of men. Ephesians 5 and 27 says that he might present himself. This is what he's going to do. He's going to present himself. And this has not happened yet. But he's going to present himself. 
a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, not having spot or wrinkle. That means you have to learn to see yourself through what Jesus did in order not to have spot. All right. Because if you don't believe what the cross accomplished for you and you still are sin conscious, then that means you see spots. And the problem that one of the things that's kept the church divided is the spots that people see. But he says without spot or wrinkle. Do you know what a wrinkle is in the church? A wrinkle is a, a rent. It's really a tear. It's a division. Anywhere there are wrinkles, it's divided. If you even wrinkle a piece of fabric, you can see the creases or the wrinkles. They're, they're dividing part of the fabric from the other. And the church is full of wrinkles. It is a division that's in the church. But Jesus said, I'm going to get my church. I am going to get my church to where she is without spot or without wrinkle. In other words, he's going to remove those things that are not true. And he's going to cause people to see together, to come together, to flow together. Now let's add this. Because he doesn't want any schisms, any divisions in his body. None. Love is the cause of unity. You heard the term cause and effect. Love is the cause of unity. You will not have the effect of unity without the cause of love. The Bible tells us to have our hearts knit together. That means the cause. Have your hearts to collace together. Because it causes something. It's going to cause us to be knit together. All right? It's going to cause us to be knit together. Listen, I'm just trying to get you to see that there will not be an effective, effectual church in receiving the harvest of all these millions of souls that are out there on Sunday morning who don't know Jesus. And God is about to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And he's going to cause these people to come looking for him in the church and where his spirit is and where his word is. But the church has to get ready. The church has to be prepared and the church has to be full of love and unified. Because in the beginning of the church age, though Jesus gave them the command to go to all nations and teach them whatsoever things I have taught you, there was still a tear in the nets called the church. And no matter how many people the church captured, a lot of people were lost and could not stay in the net. But now in this generation, God is raising his church to be filled with love, with unity, so that when when the people come in, the nets will not break this time. The nets will hold. So God is looking for a church, a people that are so connected that he can trust them to send multitudes and multitudes of people within the church. And it doesn't matter what race they are. So if you got this black thing, white thing, let me tell you something. There's not a black heaven. There's not a white heaven. There's not a Hispanic heaven. There's not a Baptist heaven. There's not a Methodist heaven. It's just God's heaven and he owns it. And anyone who loves him will enter into this place. And we have to have that kind of love that includes everyone, reach everyone, teach everyone. All the same because there's one spirit, one Lord, one God of all. He is the Lord and God of all people. No matter where they're from, no matter who they are. And he loves them. And we have to be the earthly representation of that love. Can you say amen? One more place. Isaiah 60. Because this is, confirms what I just said. 
Isaiah 60 says in verse 1, he says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. See, this is what about this is what is about to happen. If you're faithful, if you're faithful, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. In other words, many people are going to be drawn to the light that God. See, you got a little light in you, but that light, if you're faithful, is constantly, constantly growing. And anytime light becomes so light in darkness, people in darkness will be drawn to the light that is in you. I'm just trying to tell you, if you're one of the ones that is following Jesus, he says, come after me, I'll make you fishers of men. What's about to happen is that the church has been feeding on the word. The light within them is going to increase and expand exponentially. The glory of the Lord shall rise upon thee. And it's going to cause people to be drawn. If you don't like people, you won't like this glory because it's going to draw people to you. All right. It's going to draw lots of people to you. But you have to be, listen, this is, this, this is because it's the result of love and unity. Love and unity. And he says here, lift up your eyes, verse 4, round about and see. He says, look, watch this. That's what he's saying. Lift up your eyes. Watch this. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy sons shall come from afar. And thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. So you're going to have to be nurturing to people. They're going to feed from you. Everything that you've been feeding on and learning from God, that's why you, you say, well, will it pay off for me to go to Bible study and learn all these things and study my Bible? Yes, because now you're becoming the feeding place for many that shall come and that God will draw to you they're going to come and you have to be willing and ready to feed them and nurture them. You have to give some milk and then others you'll have to grow them into strong meat. But you become the feeding of the Lord in the earth for those, all of these people who are spiritually hungry. They don't even know what they're hungry for. But when God starts pouring out his spirit and they're coming, you have to be willing to feed them. Nurse them. Verse 5, watch this. Then thou shalt see. Then thou shalt see. See, y'all just hearing me now. You don't see it yet. But when I tell you this is going to happen, you're going to see it. You will see what I'm talking about after a while. The, he says, then thou shalt see. And do what? Flow where? Together, not apart. Flow together. Then, then thou shalt flow together and flow together. And thine heart shall fear and be enlarged. Your heart is going to swell up with so much love and so much excitement to see this happen. Because, watch this, the abundance, the abundance of the sea. Remember, we're fishers of men. He says, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He says, the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. 
the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. God wants to get you ready to be like him, that you be fishers of men, which means it's not, listen, those fishermen, professional fishermen did not go out on a boat, fish with a single line, with a hook and a bait on it. But professional fishermen went out with nets and they captured huge conglomerates of fish and pulled them on board. They didn't go out with a single line to fish. And so that tells us that we're not individuals and it's not based on our individual skills to evangelize and win people to Christ. But a great deal of what God is preparing us for means that our endeavor has to be to love one another and work together for the common cause of God's will being done in the earth. That's what we have to do. We can't live off in the corner. We're not monks closed off into the dark temple somewhere, but we are coming together to love one another and be the example of love so that they can see. He says, when they see how you love one another, then they will know that you are my disciples indeed. And they will become, listen, I'm telling you, he gives you dominion over the fish of the sea. Do you know that the, that the ones that have the dominion and the ones who don't have the dominion, that, that the ones who don't have to look up to, they look up to the ones that have the dominion. Hey, the fish look up to the fishermen, almost to say, catch me. I'm telling you, people in the world are saying, catch me. Please catch me. I don't know how to get out of this. Catch me out of this darkness. Catch me out of all of this stress. Catch me out of this confusion. Please pull me out. I'm looking up to you. You are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Please catch me. I was stunned to find that even atheists who disagree with the church and with Christianity are now asking, please, where are Christians that will please explain the Bible to me? Without your religious stuff without your denominational stuff. Just please explain the Bible to me. I want to know. There are atheists that are hungry. They want to know the truth. And God is saying, listen, this is time. The, the fish really, have you ever seen fish jumping when you're trying to catch and it's almost like they're jumping, trying to jump in the boat? I'm telling you, this is the day and hour. You don't have to throw nets over and say, oh, we didn't catch anything. If you put your net out, if we get unified, if we get connected with one another and we throw the net out, it's going to be a big draw, a multitude of fish that are coming into the house because of our love and our unity doing the will of God. It is going to happen, but we have to do our part and get connected one to another in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says, the sea shall be converted unto thee. And it's through our unity in Jesus' name. We have to be loosed. Lord, loose me from my tendency to break the nets. Loose me from my tendency to break the nets. Loose me. Makes me think of that woman who was bowed over. Remember we heard that a few Sundays ago. The woman was bowed over to herself. She's bowed together. She can only look at herself. That's what's going on in our soul. We only look at ourselves. And we have to be loosed. We have to be severed from that condition. God has to set us free from looking at ourselves and straighten up because we were never ever meant to be bowed together to ourselves. We were meant to be knit together to one another. Amen. Together, we stand. Divided, divided, we can do nothing.
we're nothing divided. We can show up here every Sunday. If we're not connected, it's, it doesn't mean anything. Why? It's just a show. But if we can get together, love each other, connect to each other, be patient, care for one another, because that same spirit will be the thing that they need to see. It will catch them. It will catch them. You just trust in what God is saying. It will catch people. They need it. In the name of Jesus. And if you receive that word today, give the Lord praise. Oh, come on, give the Lord praise. He's, he's teaching us. I thank you, Lord, for teaching me. Hallelujah. Fishers of men called to be unified, to say the same things, to speak the same truth, that there be no divisions, no schisms among you. All selfishness, pride, self-ambition, cynicism, we lay it down. Say, Lord, take it away. Again, I say, those who are going to be blessed mightily of God as we go forward will be those who are willing to comply with his spirit, willing to lay down their agendas, their church agendas, their spiritual agendas. And I say this to any pastor or preacher that's watching, man of God, woman of God, You're going to have to, if you're going to move in the direction that God is going to accomplish in his church, you're going to have to lay down your plans. You're going to have to lay down your plans and follow him. Everything that we've known behind us as church will be stripped away. And God is going to teach us a whole different paradigm of what it is to worship him and walk with him. Allow our, let's allow ourselves to be delivered into that. Please, 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 please. For the sake of him who called us, for the sake of him who called us, messages come to us out of the realm of the spirit they come out of the corridor of eternity how we respond to it says a lot about what we feel about the one who sent the message Think about that. Says a lot about how we feel about the one who sent the message. And if I am indifferent, if it goes in one ear and out the other, then it shows what I think about the one who sent the message. 
Jesus' name. Let us stand to our feet.